We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Which is so amazing and loved by everyone. Afternoons on the score. And now, the starting lineup for your shit. The Bulls are 2-0 since Pat Beverly is here. And they've won, you know, it's just been a neat, tidy 44-point win and a 20-point win. So, you know, I guess they're the best team in the NBA now. Previously, the best part of Bulls games had been the broadcast and the pre-half and post-game show. So, Will Purdue's going to join us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Will, you guys are in danger now that the Bulls, all of their problems are over of uh, not being the best part of the broadcast anymore. Are you concerned, sir? Uh, not yet. <laughs> but if if this continues, then that'll actually increase our ratings, but there'll be more or less we'll be on their coattails instead of vice versa. That's right. That's exactly right. So, you know, I don't think all of the problems have been solved because of two blowout wins where they're making shots, but I do like what Pat Beverly is saying about the team. What's your read, like, as you go big picture on what's happened since he's gotten here? What do you think's going on? Well, listen, I think a couple things have happened. One, Pat Beverly is doing Billy's dirty work, Hmm. meaning everybody kind of understands he's very outspoken. He's very boisterous. He's found his niche in the league. Remember, he didn't start out in the league. He was over in Asia. He was over in Europe. He had to kind of figure things out. He found his niche, and with this niche, he's been able to stick in the league. But, you know, it's, it's always worn on people wherever he's gone. He's worn out his welcome. But this was quite honestly what this team needed. A few, uh, you know, somebody to inject some energy, something different, a different voice. You know, if you've noticed, the one thing he's done more than anything is talk to guys during timeouts, coming off the floor, out of huddles, on the floor. He's been very vocal. You know, he, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better start to the Pat Beverly era than that Brooklyn game. They blew him out. They increased the lead every quarter. They then they then beat win ugly against Washington. So you start you asking yourself, hmm, you're telling me that a, a, an average NBA player comes to this team and makes that much of a difference? Is that saying more about Pat Bev, or is that saying more about the guys on the team? It's a good question, Will, and it it leads to a couple of questions. Um, one of them is 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 this. How much of it is his energy and how much of it is the fit 
in that he's a point guard who doesn't really need the ball like Lonzo. He can shoot the three a bit like Lonzo, and he can defend uh, an array of, of, of perimeter people like Lonzo. So is the fit something that is as beneficial as the energy? I think that's a great call because if you think about this, they were putting all their energy into trying to get Russell Westbrook first and foremost. Couldn't get him. He said, thanks, but I'm going to the Clippers. It's almost like when you're preparing for the lottery, right, and you go to the draft and all of a sudden you get number two instead of number one, it takes all the pressure off of you, right, because you don't have to make a choice. You just take the guy that doesn't get picked first. It's almost like Pat Beverly fell into their lap because initially they wanted Russell, but I thought from day one he was a better fit. And I think we've seen that. Number two, though, also is a little bit of a fear factor because you know when he comes into the team, he's going to try to make an impact, right? And everywhere he's been, he's called guys out. He's talked about lack of effort. And you as an individual player, A, you don't like to be called out by a coach. B, you don't like to be called out by another a player as well. And then all of a sudden he comes to this team and great timing during the All-Star break. You as a player are thinking, I better pick it up because I don't want him calling me out. And then the other question, Will, is how long that energy bump might last. We've seen this team, you know, after Zach got called out at halftime in Minnesota, they played three real good ones in a row and then fell back. Could this have more lasting power? Well, I think so because their schedule is favorable. Now, you still have Phoenix like you do on Friday. You know, you got a tough one tomorrow night against Toronto, a team that they've split with. You got Denver on the schedule. But as you guys have talked about and Danny just said, it doesn't cover up all the the problems with this team. I've kind of related it to, and you guys all know this, you know, with their parents or a family member, and you're like, hmm, something's not right here. And they're like, you know what? A little duct tape and a bigger hammer will fix this. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, man. I, I will. I, I am so cynical and skeptical about this thing because I just, I don't think the pieces fit to accomplish anything that Bulls fans celebrate. Like this is a fan base that celebrates banners. Like I don't think there's a version of where this thing goes perfectly correct. They win fifty plus games and they're competing to win the Eastern Conference. Like I just. I don't think that exists here. So I, if I don't think that exists, I kind of wonder what the point of the whole experiment is, if I'm being honest with you. Well, I think, you know, I think Artur has told us exactly what they're doing. I mean, he said we couldn't make any trades to make it better. It was definitely a buyer's market. So we're going to evaluate the last 23 games. Right. So... That, I think that's exactly what they're doing. Now, they brought in, as, as you've heard us talk about on the, on the pre-half and post, an agitator, you know, somebody, as I said, to do Billy's dirty work, you know, a different voice, to kind of mix things up a little bit. Initially, it seems like it's worked, right? But as you guys have talked about, we don't know for how long. Will they hit a blip in the road? Will they, you know, lose two or three in a row and lose a couple games maybe they shouldn't? But as you just said, Danny, listen, they're in a position now where Arturo's talked about 
I want to see improvement, meaning second round of the playoffs. He was very specific about that. Yep. I don't, I don't think they're going to get there. But we also, in my opinion, as we've seen what this team is, I think we know what they are. I think we, until we hear otherwise, we're better off assuming that Lonzo may never play again instead of assuming that he will. We all pray and hope that he will. But I don't know. I mean, you're talking about a year and a half now. So just take him out of the equation. What does that make this team? That, to me, it makes this team incomplete. So there obviously needs to be some work done, some tinkering with this roster in the off season. But right now, I, I feel like everybody, Zach, even though he has a new contract, DeMar, even though he has one year left, Vooch, he's unrestricted, Kobe, I.O., the list goes on. All these guys, if they want to be here, they've got to play a certain way. They've got to, you know, play to the standard of what they want this team to be. And then they'll try to put the team together from that point forward because they also got to make a decision. Do we go with Kobe? Do we go with I.O.? I don't think they can re-sign both. So there's going to be some decisions made. I think that they get into the playoffs. I think it's a play-in scenario type. Hopefully they get into seven or eight, so they only got to win one game, and then they solidify the seventh spot. But as you guys just said, are they going to beat Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly in the first round? Boy, Kobe or Io is an interesting thing to consider. But before we even get there, Zach or Demar? Like, if things really, you know, if they do impress in this final stretch, they can't just run everything back with everybody as is still can they I, if you had to bet on one of zach or demar going which would you bet on at this point will uh i think demar and and you know there's nothing specific about that reasoning outside of the fact that you just talk about youth of zach Levine compared to the age of demar i mean demar's defying you know, ex- explanation by what he's been able to do at this age. And you got to tip your cap because of how well he's playing. I don't think any of us ever thought that he would be this good when they signed him as a free agent. But at the same time, you always keep asking yourself, Father Time's going to catch up. When will he start to drop off with the production? You feel like Zach has passed the knee issues. You know, he's still got to work on his basketball IQ. He's still got to do a better job of being more consistent on the defensive end. But you still feel like the future for Zach is brighter than it is for DeMar. Yeah, I agree completely. And once they didn't trade Vooch with the contract expiring, they have to re-sign him. Well, I would think so because if if you – well, you think you can re-sign him. A, B, I'm sure there's a price in their head that they feel like they're willing to pay. But the question is, kind of like the housing market right now, if somebody's willing to overpay, are you going to step up and match it when initially you thought there was a, a price that you could get him for? That sounds like someone who's home home shopping. How's that going? <laughs> uh, it's going pretty good, actually. So, oh, good. But yes, the, it's, uh, you know, that is something we're facing. So it's the old saying. <laughs> If you see something you love, you're willing to overpay. The question is, how much do they love Vooch? It looks like because they didn't trade him, they love him a lot. And I like that fact because I think that if they continue to hammer home, you know, run the offense through Vooch, I think it makes this team so much better on that end of the floor. Hmm. 
We're talking to Will Purdue, NBC Sports Chicago, pre, halftime, and post. Um, if you did have to make a decision, which I agree with you, they will, Kobe White or Io, who would you uh, want to be a bull for the next, call it, four years? I mean, that right now it's a toss-up, quite honestly, because, you know, listen, we all thought Kobe was the odd man out, right? They were going to try to trade him. They, he wouldn't be here at this point, this time of the year. But he worked his ass off, just like Io. He's, Kobe's improved his handles. He's, you know, he's obviously the best three-point shooter that this team has. Yes, he is somewhat streaky, but he's also improved his basketball IQ, his passing. You know, that's, to me, guys, that is really a toss-up. I mean, I don't know if, you know, because I think what we're seeing right now is, is that Kobe's now running the point with that second unit, and Io's playing a little more of the two guard than as a point guard. So now it's a situation where what is it that we def- def- definitely need more than anything, a specific point guard that can shoot, or do we need more of a two guard that can be a combo and do both? Well, and it feels crazy to launch the best three-point shooter on the team, although maybe that's Zach, but one of your two best when you're so – you're so weak in that regard anyway, uh, ac- across the board. Yeah, I mean, and, and Kenny mentioned, you know, it's still flawed. They they struggle with consistent three-point shooting. I mean, last night at one point they were one of 15. They knocked down a few in the second half, but they still only shot, I think, what, 27%. So consistency from behind the line is something that's lacking and is yet to be addressed. Um, they occasionally – you know, give up too many offensive rebounds for second-chance opportunities. You know, they gave up 12 to Washington last night. And then they have occasion to get sloppy with the ball. I mean, six turnovers in the first quarter for 12 Washington points. I mean, that was the only way Washington was staying in the game last night was because of the mistakes that the Bulls were making. So they still have some things that need to be addressed. But at the end of the day, though, here we are. They made a trade. They brought in Pat Beverly. They've been fun to watch the last two games, and now all of a sudden you're watching a game with a totally different mindset. Instead of watching to see how they're going to blow a lead in the second half, you're look, you're you're watching to see, hey, how are they going to win this game? Danny still thought they were going to blow it. I, I thought it was in play. On Friday. <laughs> I thought it was in play. I thought they were going to blow it. It, yeah. was, it was so clearly a different thing now. But, Danny, he, I mean, listen, it was two quarters of basketball. You're skeptical. They, 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 so, I, so wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying when the second half line changed to the Bulls winning by 28, <laughs> you took – you took Brooklyn in the point. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't, t- I didn't take it. I was. I. I. What I. What I texted a buddy was: Is there a money line for Brooklyn to just win the game outright? I'm curious, and there wasn't one. I was like, Oh damn. Okay, then this game's over. Like he normally, they've blown a lot of big leads. Will like, and I. Sorry, sorry. I'm not just gonna like all of a sudden erase 50 games of data because of 24 minutes against the Brooklyn team. But have you seen a first half like that? They scored 28 points and made 10 field goals. They didn't make anything. I know it's. It was. I mean, and well, and that's the other thing. That's where lack of experience because that team is so so young now. And that's where the game has changed. It's almost like when a team is struggling to shoot, you know what? We haven't hit a three yet, but let's keep shooting more of them. Yeah, they had no, no idea what to do. No need to attack the basket. No hmm. need to get into the paint. Just keep hoisting more threes. We'll eventually make one. Yeah, they had they had absolutely no clue how, how to write it. I'm curious if it is full circle this year. Uh, your first answer about Pat Beverly, you said he's doing Billy Donovan's Billy work. 
Dirty work. Dirty work. What did I say? Billy, uh, Billy work. Billy work. Billy Donovan's dirty work. <laughs> Billy Club. Billy dirty work. Donovan's Billy work. <laughs> yeah, whatever it was. He's uh, rolling. Did, does that offend your basketball sensibilities? Like, shouldn't made man, head coach, contract extension, Billy Donovan be able to say whatever he wants to these guys? I agree with you 100%, but I think one of the things that we realized is, is that, you know, these, that's where this, this, the whole mindset has changed the whole, you know, who, who controls everything. I mean, the players have so much more power now they become a lot more sensitive. And I think we've seen, you know, a couple examples of guys have not taken criticism or coaching well. Yeah, it is a different time, and it's been frustrating. So you you need that player more than ever um, to keep the offense organized. It's disappointing to watch a coach in in that regard. Man, did you hear Billy talk with some some a lot of detail about the integrity of competition yesterday before the game, and say that he's never been asked to tank or prioritize a draft pick as part of this organization and how much he appreciates that. Did you hear that stuff, Will? Yeah, I've, I've read that. I read the exact uh, answer, the whole answer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hope that's 100% true. I, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I think there's, you know, the, the, the whole tanking thing, the whole preparing for the draft, you know, even then, like he said, it, it what what's the maximum you have is 17 percent of actually even if you have the worst record and then it goes down a few percent from there I mean it's just it's it's hard to fathom when there's no guarantees to do something like that and to really ask yourself you know it's it's a tough tough gig because the fans don't like it but then what is it if you're you know a playoff team but you're mediocre, mm-hmm. and when I say mediocre, meaning you're not one of the top four teams in your conference, what are you, what are you asking of your fans there? So it's, it's kind of a tough call. You, you know, we could argue the merits of it, and we have actually on the show, um, but the point that I wanted to ask you about was asking a coach to do it when he's a veteran coach. Coaches usually don't survive that kind of thing. Um, and I thought I thought about your 1997 San Antonio Spurs and Bob Hill not surviving. Um, and, I, you know, I wonder if you if he felt that way when all of a sudden you guys won 20 games um, with David Robinson injured and Sean Elliott injured. And then here comes Tim Duncan after that. Yeah, and, and but that was it. We weren't even supposed to get Tim Duncan. The Boston Celtics were supposed to get Tim Duncan. Yeah. They were they were tanking as well. So yeah, that's just kind of one Keith of those Van things. Horn. Yeah, it's a crapshoot. So yeah. that's, the, that's the thing. And the, the other issue is you have to question. When, you, when you're tanking, what is the mentality of the guys on the team? And are, are there, is there anybody on the team that you see in the future when the team gets better? Or do you just see them as assets? Because, hmm. you know, I think that can severely affect the culture of a team when you're when players are smart enough to realize you know they're looking around and being like what the hell are we doing here Hmm. I wonder if we'll ever get to a place in the NBA where you know you can do that with your good players 
and fulfill the front office vision of going ahead and giving yourself ping pong balls and still maintaining the guys. Load management, baby. Well, yeah, but, that, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, load management for next year, Demar. What, yeah, yeah. What do you yeah, take, take? Take 23 games off. We're gonna go try to get Wembenyama, and we still pay you your full freight. <laughs> Are you kidding? I think I think I think there are plenty of guys that would sign up for it. Hey, Speaks, I want to ask you a question though. What I have I noticed that Parkins has been gone a lot. I didn't know you load management on radio. Yeah, well, you know, Danny's got a lot of stuff um, that he likes that he likes to do. Um, some things he says he has to do, but it mostly seems like a choice to not come to work. I'm glad you've noticed, Will. This is an outrage. Well, hey, I, I got one last question for you. You know, we try to have fun on the the post-game show, and yeah. I came up with something. Is it, you know, like you have Hamilton on Broadway. I was thinking right now we're 2-0. and You got Beverly on Madison. Okay. Oh, yeah. As long, yeah. As, as long as Madison doesn't mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's not bad, Will. You can do better. I'd just like to point out, Speaks has missed way more shows in 2023 than I have. Wow. Way more. Why would you lie to Will? I like would not that. lie. You've been to Mexico and the Dominican Republic in 2023. We're speaks. Separate vacations. <laughs> Dave oh, didn't, didn't hey, yeah. Danny, now that you brought it up, didn't one of those trips his flight got canceled? Yeah, probably. <laughs> and no, and and Will. It's going along with if, Will. If we're, if we're telling the truth here, oh boy. he faked sick oh. uh, did, uh, during a week. He missed a Thursday and a Friday. Missed the Cubs convention broadcast mm-hmm. and then showed up at Cubs convention on Saturday to appear on a panel on television with Cubs bigwigs. Didn't do his radio show during the week to save his voice, allegedly, so that he could hobnob with some business people over at the Cubs on television. How about wow. that? Wow. Well, I mean, it's, I, I guess that's called voice management. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then he coughed once at the end of the panel. Yeah, to, to, yeah, that was that was his forced fake cough to send us a message. Oh, see so you guys, I was really sick. <laughs> well, well, coming look, down with the black lung. Pop. You, you took one little innocuous shot at Danny, and he just unleashed a two-minute tirade. I got a in lot of direction. thoughts here, Will. I got a lot of things to defend. No, because you guys took a shot at me last time I was out, and you had Will on. Yeah, Will did that too. Yeah. yeah. All right, Will. I see you. Well, you never miss work. Well, I, You're a pro. You know, Speaks. Unfortunately, it's only Monday. Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Will, good stuff, man. Uh, we are watching. You guys do great work on pre, half, and post. And uh, listen, I mean, hopefully the Bulls prove me wrong and actually make something meaningful out of this season. That'd be awesome. Well, I, I, and that's the other thing. I think that you hit it right on the head. Listen, you know, we'd love for them to, you know, get into the play-in, get into the playoffs. And then you ask yourself, okay, how are you going to fare against Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly? We're not expecting you to beat them, but are you going to make it? Make them earn it? We, we had the same conversation last year. Are they going to make the Bucks earn it? Are they going to make one of these teams earn the next, the, you know, to get to the next round, force them to play their star players more than they'd like to, take it to six games even though you don't win? You know, shows, you know, at least end the season on a good note. And right now, you know, listen, we've we've had to have short memories. We put the first two-thirds of the season behind us, and we basically said, all right, man, here we are the last 23 games. Let's go for a ride, hold on, and let's have some fun. Good stuff, Will. Thank you, sir.
All right, gentlemen, hope, hopefully you guys are in all five days. Talk to you later. <laughs> Good we'll luck. see. The streak is at one. Thank you. Oh, Actually, man. we did show. I, I was just at home on Friday. Yeah, we did five shows yeah, yeah. last week. We did, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. We're on fire here. Yeah. Will's such a crapster. He is. He He listens. Stir the crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. A crapster who stirs the crap. Whipped up a hornet's nest with you, though, man. Billy Donovan does dirty work. No, Pat Beverly's (laughs) doing Billy Donovan's dirty work. Yeah, but I call it Dirty Donovan's Billy work. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> He's doing his Billy work. <laughs> He's doing his Billy work. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah, um, some interesting stuff in there from Will. I- yeah, there's stuff to follow up on. Yeah, before yeah. Uh, your 23rd favorite baseball player <laughs> of the last 30 years in Chicago. Grody said he heard the tease for the first time. For that, he didn't know it was happening. He yeah. told me off air. He said, "See, I, you know how I know it's February. I heard a tease where you said coming up next, Matt Spiegel's 28th favorite baseball player." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're we're trying to figure out uh, how to catch Willie Joe." It's- Thanks. Thanks for listening, Gross. <laughs> it's Parkinson's Beagle on the score. Yeah, I think it was good for us to step away, everybody refresh and see, you know, obviously what we had to do, get our minds in the right place. Obviously, Pat comes in with the energy each and every day. And, um, <laughs> you know, but as a collective group, I think we all understood we're going to take, you know, stand up to the challenge and, you know, we're ready to go. Good stuff with Will Perdue. We'll do Speaks' 23rd favorite baseball player of the last 30 summers in Chicago coming up in a few minutes. 5 o'clock, we'll talk about Wilson Contreras' comments and the debut of the pitch clock with Major League players at spring training. Also bringing back one last thing. So busy final 90 minutes of the show today. I've been thinking about what you said about, well, can you enjoy this? I, I want the Bulls to be good, and I want them to be building towards something. So... Is it on the board that they could prove in the last 20-something games that they are building towards something? Mm-hmm. I don't think so for this year, but in a world where Zach Levine plays great and something gets unlocked with Patrick Williams and it feels like they have enough assets that are trending upwards – that's at least a positive development. You know, like Kobe White is emerging into a really valuable piece. He is. He's valuable. I don't think he's a star, but he's but he's valuable. He's going to get offers out there as a restricted free agent. The Bulls will have the chance to match. It's not going to be like Zach's deal with Sacramento a few years ago, but they'll have a decision and an opportunity with Kobe. Yeah, so like if it if they played really good basketball, and you just felt like the individual assets on the team were all kind of trending upward in value, that would be a win for the last quarter of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, it it would be, even if you don't win anything of consequence. I just think it's pretty unlikely for that to happen, and I think that these guys are getting older, so I do worry about run like playing well enough to trick Arturis when he said the last 23 games are an evaluation. If they play great, is it fool's gold? Mm-hmm. And did you just trick himself into tripling down on an aging core that isn't built for the modern game? That Because he said, like, well, we had things at the deadline that showed us that our pieces had uh, value on the trade market. Uh-huh. And then I was like, well, then why didn't you do it? 
you know, and it's because he still wants to win. To to your point, because he's still he, he's still it, trying for respectability here. But it, but that so that's what scares me. It's like if they play well enough to be respectable, and then show some degree of respectability in the playoffs, but ultimately lose. Yeah, and then he just triples down on the same. That feels like you're just sprinting to nowhere. Yeah, no, I, I, I to- and getting older. I, I, I totally <laughs> understand. So that's that's why there's going to be some real cognitive battles going on as I watch the team. And again, I expect them to start missing some shots and have that regress what's happened right. in the last couple of games and play about 500 basketball the rest of the way. I think there's part of him that wants to be convinced that he's not wrong and sure. then stay All of us. As, as opposed to blowing it up. Like, I, I think this is a very possible thing that, I, look, I don't think they're going to go 17 and 6 in these last 23 games, but yeah. maybe they go 15 and 8 in these last 23 games. Yeah. They get in, they get through the play in, and they make it to a series and play decent in a series and still lose. Right. Okay. Yeah, sure. Then he's looking at this offseason. And he chooses, as Will, I think, correctly guesses, look, I've been harsh on Zach and I've been wanting to trade Zach, but if Zach fits this way as he's showing with some more efficiency with a guy like Pat Beverly and he's not handling the ball on the front end of the shot clock and they decide to trade DeMar. So you are getting a little younger because you're trading DeMar. Yeah. So they keep Vooch, they keep Zach, they keep Pat Beverly, they don't have Lonzo Ball, they don't bank on him ever coming back. They match an RFA offer for Kobe White. They let Io go. They keep Caruso as under contract. They they keep Pat Williams and give him a chance for a bigger role. Whoever they add to round out a roster is not an energy guy like Derek Jones Jr. or Javante Green. It's a three and D guy who legit helps them shoot the three and helps them mitigate some of Zach and Vooch's issues on defense, you know? They, I could see them going into next year feeling like we could potentially be like they could potentially battle and be a top half maybe of the Eastern Conference playoff thing, like a four or five. And I know that is that's it's mediocrity on on some level, but it's an easier path than blowing it all up and hoping you figure it all out in one off season. Yeah, it it is. And and by the there's they're different. So the four and five, to use your example. Yeah. The four is Cleveland. The five is Brooklyn. That's yeah, very, very different. Those are very different, right? Like Brooklyn has no idea what they're doing and they're trending down and they have some assets, but they don't really have a team and they have no star power and we'll see, but it's absolutely in play that they are not a top 10 team in the East next year if things go poorly. Yeah. Cleveland has a young core under contract with one of the youngest rosters in the NBA and is building towards something. And they think that they are emerging as, you know, they're knocking on the door. They absolutely think that they could beat Boston in a playoff series Mm -hmm. this year, Mm -hmm. much less give them a year or two to play together and to gel. Right. But like, so it's it's just, it's a very different, like what type of team are you? Like, and so that's what would worry me about that Bulls team is. I get it. Is they they would just be kind of old. But but <laughs> but it, it, the goal two years ago was to grab respectability and be a playoff team, and none of us really thought that they were going to be number one in the East. And then they kind of looked like it for a little while. I was like, oh my god, holy hell! Right, but that was number one. But that but that was upside of Lonzo, upside of Zach, upside of Patrick Williams. Uh-huh. Since then. 
you would be taking two you'd be adding two years to everybody's age you'd be taking certainly some upside off the table for Lonzo and certainly some upside off the table for Patrick Williams. Not every circle of NBA hell is the same. Yeah. <laughs> as, as the Bulls had clearly shown themselves to not be as good as the LeBron Miami Heat, you weren't going to blow it up. You were going to keep trying to get health and just try to get into the playoffs and do your thing. Yes. I think it's still on the table possibly that – Next year, you could be a team that is a five seed or a six seed. Is that NBA hell? It's not as bad as 10 or 11. You know, it's not as bad as nine or 10 in that circle of NBA hell. Like we might be steamrolling towards a slightly more acceptable and possibly enjoyable circle of NBA hell. Sweet. Yeah, right. Sweet. I know. Uh, no, and, and listen, part, part, it's, we do this all the time, and I am guilty of it maybe more than I, I love thinking about the big picture stuff, thinking of a GM. They don't have cap space, and they don't have a first-round pick. Yeah, they don't, they so don't that, have the that, stuff to do it. That immediately puts clouds over the future, and then their best players aren't particularly young. Zach is in his prime, um, and I like Zach more than most. So that that's what it worries me. It's like, wait, I like Zach more than most people, and I'm as down or more down on their long-term future prospects than most people because it just feels like they're tripling down on a team that doesn't really fit together. So... We'll see how they play. Uh, I don't believe that Pat Beverly has solved all their problems, though. Though he is saying some really entertaining things. <laughs> so uh, you you wanted uh, anarchy and chaos and interesting quotes? I think you're going to get plenty of that for the last 20 games of the season. Yeah, and then I wonder if they even want to re-up with him after, we'll see. after all of that. Or it might just be a bunch of truths and... See you later. Yeah, napalm it, see you later, and live with the after effects. Your 23rd favorite baseball player of the last 30 summers in Chicago... Uh, certainly deserving to be on the list, but he's also a top three interview in the history of this show for saying crazy stuff. It's Parkinson and Spiegel on the score. He's got a chance. Go! We're counting down the days to opening day. Happy opening day. By celebrating some of Chicago baseball's all-time greats. There go number 400. Spiegel's top 30 favorite Chicago baseball players of the last 30 years. Matt Spiegel is one of the great baseball people, and not only in this town, but across the country. From Abreu. Sox win! Sox win! On a grand slam by Jose Abreu. To Big Z. Carlos Zambrano has no hit! The Houston Astros! Matt Spiegel counts us down to opening day. Wow, is that huge! Matt Spiegel's 30 players for 30 years. That's how you do it. On the Parkins and Spiegel Show on 670 The Score. It's getting serious, folks. I think we can hear you when you do that on the On the console, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's an audio. You're right. As long as it's in rhythm. It's an audio medium. Um, Number 23. Your favorite players of the last 30 baseball seasons in Chicago is... Blackjack McDowell. I'd known about him as a Stanford pitcher. They won the College World Series. I actually watched a lot of it in 1987. Ben McDonald and Albert Bell at LSU. Robin Ventura at Oklahoma State. Deion Sanders at Florida State that year. Oh, wow. But from afar, I watched him arrive, get to the big leagues right away. Drafted in 87 by the White Sox. Hit the bigs in 87. He went back down, but then came up. 
next couple of years. The White Sox ascended with these four first-round picks in a row. McDowell, Frank Thomas, Ventura, Alex Fernandez. Pretty good. You knew this team was going to be really good. I get to town late 92. He was the best pitcher in this city. Had just gone 20 and 10 in a time when we thought wins still spoke volumes. He had a 3.1 ADRA, super solid, if not dominant, but he was clearly an ace, Danny, and a true innings eater at the front of a big league rotation. 13 complete games in 92. He finished second for American League Cy Young to A's closer Dennis Eckersley. A lot of us thought that was a sham that a reliever shouldn't be winning the award. But also, he was interesting as hell was Blackjack. A cerebral California cool he had, but he pitched and played with a surly mean edge. He had like weird mangy, sometimes unkempt facial hair, threw a nasty split-fingered fastball, which was the coolest pitch in the game at the time. And he refused to come out. He fought to stay in games and usually won. In 93, a season I watched uh, very, very closely, he had a decision, a win or a loss, in his first 27 starts. Outrageous. Gene Lamont eventually stopped arguing and just let McDowell stay in as long as he wanted. It was rare respect for an ace. Sometimes when he gave up a home run, he'd stare down the batter as he rounded the bases, just stare him down the whole time, talked smack about management, Every chance he had refused to sign a long-term contract instead doing one year deal after one year deal. He got big raises each time he was very punk rock, which made sense because he was also a guitar player who wrote songs Yes, and had a band that he formed uh, when he had gone back to Stanford stick figure. I saw him at martyrs sometime like 93, maybe it was 94 Rick Tellender was the only sports media guy that I recognized, but the room was pretty full and McDowell was playing a 12-string Rickenbacker guitar, same one that the Birds and George Harrison and Tom Petty had played. You understand why Spiegel was smitten. There's multiple <laughs> levels here at this time. The music world didn't really take him very seriously, which only made him more ornery as a, as a baseball player. But the baseball world took him seriously. He won the Cy Young Award. My first season here in 93 went for 20 wins again. Jack McDowell trying for his 20th victory of the season, his eighth complete game, and his fourth shutout. Yes! Black Jack McDowell picks up his 20th victory of the season, pitching out of four huge jams. Hard luck loser that night. Didn't know this till our guy Chris Tano pointed it out. Jim Deshays lost that game that night. Wow. To Jack McDowell. McDowell goes 22 and 10, more than 250 innings for the third straight time, top 10 in MVP voting, third straight All Star season while making records, playing gigs. This was my guy. He got beat up in the postseason by the Blue Jays on their way to a title. I think 10 earned runs and two starts. Sox lost the ALCS in six games, lost to Juan Guzman in games one and five. And that would be his only chance in the postseason for the White Sox because they got robbed in 1994. So as we think about Blackjack, who knows what he would have done if not for the lockout, if the White Sox had made that playoffs in 1994, it's one of the great unanswered baseball riddles of our time. There were lots of good teams that year, and the White Sox were absolutely loaded. Well, that's a very worthy guy. He was, uh, first of all, awesome nickname. Yes. Awesome mound presence. Mm-hmm. Awesome interview on our show. 
I mean, this guy said a lot of crazy things, and we use this all the time. I don't know what's going on with any of it. So that's amazing. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, he's aged very, very, very well. Uh, you want to go? You want to stick with he was the best pitcher in 92, or do you think that he just was robbed in the American League? Greg Maddox, Cy Young winner in the National League. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, let and, I just I just pulled it up. Just inferior league though, inferior league. Right, uh, no, he, true, he, had, he had a 218 but ERA he, compared to McDowell's 318. But then he left, right? Maddox. What? Yeah, he went to Atlanta. He went to Atlanta. He went oh, to Atlanta. Was, you just said uh, McDowell, did best say pitcher in, in in baseball that year. Yeah, that's true. Matt, Maddox in town, Ma- best Ma- pitcher in town. Well, no, but, but, but Greg but, Maddox was also Matt, in town. Maddox That's true. <laughs> oh, no, it's definitely wrong. <laughs> it's 100% wrong in terms of 92. But then Maddox was gone, and it was yeah. Blackjack in 93. I was just saying. But yes. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. So Fair. Neither, neither here nor there. No, that's not a nit to pick. That is, a, that is an absolute <laughs> fallacy. Maddox is here, by the way. Pretty good. Very good. Oh, yeah. He led baseball in wins, starts, innings, uh-huh. uh, ERA plus, and FIP. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, Better than McTell. All right. Right. Fine. Regardless. Not yeah. the point. But Blackjack left for the Yankees. Yankees career defined by a night in July at Yankee Stadium when the White Sox beat him up. And Buck Showalter came out to take him out. Fans booed. And McDowell flips the fans the bird on his way uh, on his way off. No, I mean, it's a, a total badass. And like a lot of guys from this era that you have been chronicling, uh, some of them were position players where like he answered the bell every day playing 150 games a year. Yeah. I mean, 91, 92, 93, 253 innings, 260 innings, 256 innings. Yeah. And and that's great. And he goes on eventually after he fails the Yankee, he goes to Cleveland and tried to pitch through injuries in Cleveland. The toughness got him in trouble. So that trademark toughness, Got him in trouble. He turned kind of into late era James Shields or something. It probably hastened the end of his career. I'll also never forget, by the way, he's the guy on the mound in extra innings when Ken Griffey Jr. scores from first on an Edgar Martinez double, and the Mariners went to the ALCS. One of the most exciting baseball plays I've ever watched on television. That's Blackjack on the mound. So not a great Yankees run. But damn, he was cool as hell um, as a member of the White Sox. I give him an 8 for the offense, uh, which is really pitching, and it's defense um, for the uh, for the pitchers. A nine as a pitcher for the White Sox. A nine for vibes because I thought he was awesome. Teammate Chip, I'm only going to give him a seven. He bitched about everything, as I said, including them taking a chance on Bo Jackson. He's like, why are we doing this? Uh, hey, you know, that's your teammate right there. Memorable moments, I got to give him a six um, because he failed so miserably in the postseason. So he totals out at a 39 putting him number 23 on my top 30 favorite ball players the last 30 seasons. Did you love him as a kid? Danny? Oh, are you kidding me? This is this is my guy. Seeing him being able to pitch in an all-star game every year, like obviously Frank was the guy, but having a guy like Jack McDowell, I, you mentioned his mom presence. I love watching him pitch because he would he, you know, he had the reputation of the California guy, but this guy he was a competitor out there. Like he would, he would throw inside. He would hit people. There's a great video on YouTube if you want to go back and watch it. Just search White Sox, Blue Jays. Not the postseason from '93, but they played just a regular season game, and there was hit by pitch. I think this is the game where Mark Witten actually hits Jack McDowell <laughs> oh, in, the, yeah. in the face because like, Witten ran out to get him, yeah. and McDowell like thought that uh, that Witten was just gonna like tackle him. That's what he said after. Is like, yeah. like wasn't he just gonna tackle me? No, Mark Witten punched him in the face. But there's other great stuff going on in that game. You know, hard slides, Robin Ventura taking people out at home plate. It's an awesome YouTube deep dive into what uh, the baseball of uh, my youth and, and Spiegel's youth mm-hmm. was like, and I really enjoy it. When I think about Theo Epstein trying to rep. rep 
replicate baseball from the late 80s or yeah. 90s i think of games like that where it's just like it was brutal uh and two teams that like hated each other too so it was a, it's a great deep dive you can watch it you know what's crazy about mcdowell is that he threw inside a lot and he intimidated a lot but he didn't hit guys he had really good control like the most guys he ever hit in a season is seven so it, it it's not like he he he, he destroyed people zambrano hit 20 one year and also vibes 10 out of 10 for me because socks fest 1993 Sad little 10-year-old Chris Tannehill. Maybe I was nine at the time. Yeah, nine. Just sitting there, no autographs, because we didn't do the wait in line all day for an autograph thing. Sitting by the elevator, my dad flags down Blackjack McDowell. He's going to the elevator. He signs my my Leaf baseball card. Hell was, yeah. I, was, I still got it. I Leaf! Think my, I think my dad still has it in oh his basement God. under his Leaf. White Sox display. There was Tops. To there was Tops. There was Donruss. And Leaf, then there man. was Leaf. Leaf. That's a big deal to get that one signed. <laughs> Hell yeah. Danny's open made us laugh as it often does today. It also uh, elicited a very angry DM from a listener that I will read to you guys on the other side of the replay. Uh, we get to that coming up. Man, Wilson Contreras is breaking bad on the Cubs. The pitch clock debuted. Adam Schefter's reported on the Bears. Lot to do. Park and speak on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.